0: Good. He had him for a while. Uh, you got him back. Thank you for coming out tonight, ladies and gentlemen. For the, uh, This is Talmud of the Greg Proops Film Club. This is the uh, 450th. We started uh, right after cinema was invented. Uh, right around the 1890s, uh, we had the Lumieres in for our first show. And uh, what an attitude. Uh, you know, they went so Paris, didn't they? Uh, Anyways, uh, our last picture we showed was *The Samurai. That one hasn't come out yet, but the one preceding that, I think, was uh, Dog Day Afternoon. We've been on a 70s kick uh, lately because we showed Dog Day, Taking a Pelham 123 and Annie Hall. Uh, now I've decided to show a movie that's from the recent past. It's 13 years old. Anyways, thanks for coming out tonight. This is a podcast. It's going to go out live. I don't know when. And uh, people download it from all over the world. There's a thing called Liberated Syndication, which is neither. And... Uh, It comes over my interweb and it shows you how many downloads you get in every place, right? Like, it'll have... uh, After two and a half years, um, Luxembourg holding fast at three downloads. (laughs) It makes me wonder if one person in Luxembourg downloaded it three times and the third time just went... So it's a comedy show. If you feel compelled to laugh at any point, that's very encouraging for me. And uh, you may want to identify yourself. That's all I want to say because, you know, they, people, we're going to talk at the end. We do a Q&A at the end as if I know anything about film. And uh, we'll kick it around for a few minutes at the end. In any case, they hear different voices from different places. Last week I was in Denver, before that New Orleans, before that Chicago, before that uh, uh, Scotland. Uh, and then this year, Norway, Amsterdam, Paris You know, so they hear, you hear different voices We're also going to Canada uh, and This week, we're going to Vancouver and, um, So if you think something's funny You might want to just, you know, let people know Where we are, you know Like, <laughs> <laughs> Eric from Silver Lake And just, you know <laughs> So people get it um, And like that, we'll do a Q&A afterward uh, And we're going to start right now I'll see you on the ice this part won't be long it'll be like half an hour well we're not going to start right now what I meant was (laughs) in a a span of time that you'll recognize as a human event uh, the show will eventually start and within that framework you may want to consider some of the moments of your life as this time passes on this is a really good time to think back about how you didn't take that canoe ride and you wish you had Uh, (laughs) Cinematically speaking, uh, I, I haven't seen the new um, um, Jonathan Glazer "Under the Skin" is it called? Uh, uh, it's but I, I'm uh, I'm all for uh, Scarlett Johansson no dialogue and nudity, uh, because it's yeah right. It's like when you have those quiet moments on your own. <laughs> And as Supertramp said Yes, I'm quoting Supertramp I, You'll find a dazzling variety of sources It's not all Aeschylus and fucking uh, Andrew Sarris I, There's Supertramp Supertramp sneaks in When I was young, they said But that's not the line I was going to use Now I've forgotten it Because there's so many Supertramp lines Running through my head See the man with the tired thighs Take his glands and feel his pies Give a little squid Give a little squid to a seal, you see Or something In my mind, we started Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Greg Proops Film Club Once again, we convene here At the salubrious confines of the greatest movie palace in all of Hollywood. Right here in the gracious yarmulke and baseball cap district of Fairfax Avenue. Where you'll find the very devout mingle with the very would-be young and hip. You can see hip-hop people eating pastrami sandwiches. It's just that cool here in L.A. We're a melting pot of knish and Mops-a-bry. Uh We're here at the Cine Family in Hollywood. Hooray for us. And uh, it's installment 455 of the Greg Proops Film Club, which is part of the Greg Proops uh, Smartest Man in the World Proopcast, or Vodcast, if you will. And if you're listening right now, this is an awesome time to pour yourself a giant drink because we are going to get it on tonight with Jonathan Glazer's 2000 British gangster fucking classic starring Ray Winstone, Ben Kingsley, and Ian McShane Cobb. Uh, sexy beast and um I think in the first part of the movie, you're going to want to drink cold beers. Then later, yeah, as they get around the pool, maybe a, a cocktail of some kind. Then when they get to London, you might even want to cook up some eggs and some sausage for one part of this movie. And then later, there's a bar scene, and whiskey definitely uh, figures into the movie. This is a very drinky gangster movie in that regard. So it's a perfect proofcast uh, uh, vehicle because uh, I, I like to drink along with every movie I watch, uh, which is why With Neil and I is my favorite movie. So... Uh, Thank you. That was for nobody. And uh, they know who they are. They know who they fucking are. Do they fucking just? Um, In any case, this movie is uh, uh, one of my favorite British gangster pictures. British gangster films uh, have become... Uh, sort of hilariously cliche. And if I can lay blame at the hands of Guy Ritchie, I'm not a huge Guy Ritchie fan. I'm not saying he ruined British gangster films. I'm just saying that when you speed things up like it's a Disney movie, like it's the Apple Dumpling Gang from the 70s and shit, and you have bullets going through people's hairlines and whatnot, and people doing obscure accents and whatever, and that's the only way you can keep the fucking movie... Uh, All right, let me just lay it on the fucking line. I got nothing against Guy Ritchie personally, except this. I haven't forgiven him for Swept Away, because... (laughs) That movie played a shorter run in L.A. than any movie I can think of. It opened in about five million fucking movie theaters. As you recall, Madonna was the lead and, in fact, was the biggest star in the world at that time. Uh, Not known for her cinematic brilliance, except in, of course, Suddenly Seeking Susan, which I think a lot of the boys here will agree is a secret pleasure. Uh, Desperately Seeking Susan? What did I call it? Did I combine Brook Shields sitcom with it? Did I call it Suddenly Seeking Susan? Desperately Seeking Suddenly Susan? Brooke Shields is a street urchin well, you can't give me bad Roseanne Arquette you really can't and she's the star of that one and, uh, and then of course there's uh, the immortal Shanghai surprise uh, who's that girl uh, with Griffin Dunn which might be one of the most excruciating two hours you ever spend in your entire fucking life but nothing really takes cake the way that fucking swept away does. It's a remake of a Lena Wertmuller movie. And Lena Wertmuller, in the school of Pasolini or, or Rossellini or anyone named Eni, uh, <coughs> Henry Mancini for that matter, or Linguini. <laughs> Uh, or a lot of Italian filmmakers, I- even Visconti and whatnot, there's always a political uh, agenda behind everything, or at least some sort of scathing indictment of the Catholic Church. Obviously, Fellini is a master at skewing modern mores and things like that. Well, but Lena Virgil a movie from the 70s, is exactly that. A man and a woman are stranded on an island, she's rich, He's poor. Guess where that goes? There's a sexual struggle, as well as a socioeconomical political struggle that underlies the subtext of the fucking major modus operandi of the movie. Well, the Guy Ritchie one turned into some sort of fucking beefcake fest like Tarzan with Bo Derek and shit there's a dude walking around with like his shaved pubes hanging out and stuff and the the crime that Guy Ritchie committed was one taking a beautiful piece of property and turning it into a schlocktastic not ad fucking half ass movie fucking MTV VMA fucking horrible reductive piece of shit fucking scoured the script hit a giant shoal and lost most of its meaning and was eaten by fishes in a reef (laughs) But he committed the major crime of making his wife and betrothed at the time and mother of his child look awful on screen. All I could think of while I was watching the goddamn movie was, did you not watch the dailies? Did Madonna not take out her giant clitoris and club you upside the fucking head with it? (laughs) you know when you were having the over under sex that you guys have where she used to wear the giant purple penetrator and whatnot? didn't she at any moment go like I look fucking awful I want to reshoot put some star filters up this motherfucker and let's get this movie going (laughs) notwithstanding the fact that the movie moves like a paraplegic trying to go up a fucking wrong sided escalator you know what I'm saying this movie movie doesn't just hobble it lies there until you want it fucking shot for your reasons and the society can move on And so that's the reason why I don't love his gangster pictures as well. Um, But I will say that I love the gangster picture, well, one gangster picture. Uh, 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 I think that that a lot of people would say Brighton Rock with uh, Richard Attenborough, which is a famous early 60s uh, British gangster picture, and it's real terse. And Richard Attenborough, of all people, turns in a pretty groovy, uh, what's his name in it, Ginger? Pinky. 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 And uh, it's Graham Greene, I believe, so there's a script. Uh, and then uh, um, my favorite is Get Carter with Michael Caine which is uh, maybe one of the tersest of all the British gangster films, there's not loads of dialogue and Michael Caine wears a top coat and a suit buttoned up through every instance of the movie there's no scene he walks into, I think there's one scene he's in his house, he takes the fucking trench coat off every other scene he's got it all buttoned up and it is the fucking, it's like um, uh, uh, what's that picture by um, uh the one with Lee Marvin at Point Blank um, Where uh, there's very little reason For uh, all the mayhem Michael King comes back to his town Because his brother's been killed And he really doesn't care why And didn't like his brother much But god damn it Everyone's going to fucking pay <laughs> there's a scene in the movie where he's in a pub and it's a down and dirty awful Liverpool pub and Liverpool looks like the dark side of fucking Uranus right like it's just yeah it's like Prague in 1941 you know just there's empty streets and rubble and shit and hideousness and when they bring the brother out the, it's the undertakers with the fucking tall silk hats and they put him in a big black car and everybody just stands there and there's, it's horrible right and uh, there's a scene where they go to a pub and two horrible low life women get in a fight and are pulling each other's hair and pouring beer on each other and that's the only movie mo- moment in Get Carter where Michael Caine's expression changes and he goes (laughs) (laughs) it's quite ghastly if you like movies where women get stuffed in a trunk and thrown in a river and I mean the trunk of a car let's get let's get serious the boot it's fucking good and then the one that I watched recently that I think is at the level of this picture that we're showing tonight sexy beast is um, the long good Friday with uh, Bob Hoskins (laughs) Which has, uh, and Bob Hoskins has just retired from acting and more's the pity because he's a superb actor. And the movies I would put forward, don't talk, don't mention Cotton Club and the Mario Brothers. Let's get to what's what. And, oh, let's not talk about mermaids. Uh, Bob Hoskins' career is The Long Good Friday and a fabulous, and Mona Lisa, uh, another fabulous film he's in. And uh, another film called Felicia's Journey that not a lot of people saw where he plays... A psychopathic murderer of women But he plays it in a very low-key Bob Hoskins way And he's a gourmet Uh, It's a very deep movie And I suggest you see it But in The Long Good Friday He's a wide boy from the East End And he's got a big gang And uh, they're fighting another gang Who won't back off on them And then he figures out They're the Irish Republican Army and so therefore, money is not the motivating factor In their gangsterism uh, In any case, let's get to this picture tonight uh, Because I think it goes in the pantheon with those pictures And of course, Lockstock and two fucking snatches um, <laughs> The star of the movie is Ray Winstone, But really, we all know who the star of this movie is <laughs> Ben Kingsley comes into this movie like a fucking snarling dervish and unleashes an uh, insane torrent of invective that in the anals of fucking film has rarely been reached in cinematic excellence. I'm just going to give you a short count here from the back. Uh, there are 115 fucks in this movie and there are 21 cunts in this movie. This movie's 89 minutes long. It almost grinds to a halt under the weight of its own profanity. Which makes it fucking genius. Uh, Ray Winstone is the real deal He was born in Hackney Hackney's in the east end of London Hackney was the neighborhood That was bombed the most strenuously By the Nazis during World War II And you can still see bombed out places And, and shells where shells hit in Hackney uh, Our good friend Josie lives there Off the south Well I shouldn't tell you where she lives Should I? <laughs> anyway Near Victoria Park You fucking find it mate And uh, I'm not going south to the river This time of night. not Oh no fucking way mate and where, that neighborhood is a neighborhood where you couldn't get a fucking black cab in London for the longest time, man. When I lived there in the 90s, if you went, like, I'm going, I'm going to, down to fucking Victoria Park in Hackney, E9, they go, oh, no, mate, not this fucking tall and you? And you're like, but you're supposed to take me anywhere. There's a sign that says, you know, like, in there, oh, fucking, I'm not going South the River. No, I'm not. I'm not going to fucking East End, mate. Um, it wasn't South of the River. It's in the East End. In any case, uh, his dad would drove a cab. His mother uh, took the money out of fruit machines. Fruit machines are the the little gambling machines in the pubs you know and the fruit comes up on them and whatnot. you may remember the awesome song by the jam I've got a pocket full of pretty green uh, I've got a pocket full of pretty green I'm going to put it in the fruit machine I'm going to put it in the jukebox it's going to play all the records on the hit parade um, this is the pretty green this is society fucking good jam that one Ray Winstone did a musical when he first started, and his father saw him in it and went, Give it a fucking chance, mate. Like, he didn't think he was good, because evidently Ray couldn't sing and dance. Uh, Ray Winstone's superb in a number of movies. There's a movie called, uh, that Gary Oldman made, called No By Mouth, where, yeah, he's painfully good in that movie. That's an excruciating picture. Ray Winstone. Um, didn't get the Oscar for that and didn't get the Oscar for this uh, and I dare say won't I love him in anything contemporary because he has a fucking Hackney accent if what was that Clive Owen movie where they all pranced around on fucking horseback and it was like King Arthur and shit was that, was that called Camelot or something? I think so King I think what was it called? King Arthur King, yeah King Arthur except when Ray Winstone said it it was King Arthur <laughs> <laughs> fucking wizards fuck off <laughs> fuck off mate F- I'll sort your fucking owl mate
1: <laughs>
0: Game of Thrones in the East End
1: <laughs>
0: nice fucking motor uh, King Arthur you fucking cunt <laughs> calling yourself king you fucking toilet <laughs> little miscast in that one I remember when laughing when he came on in that one and then of course he's in The Departed uh, Martin Scorsese's most overrated gangster movie <laughs> it is sorry I don't mean to be a dick and I'm not diminishing Martin Scorsese in any way when you make Mean Streets and Goodfellas and Casino in one lifetime you get a fucking pass but The Departed was a consolation prize for those movies Uh, and Raging Bull which obviously Uh, in any case uh I think that Ben Kingsley's bad guy in this, Don Logan, uh, stands up there with any of the bad guys in picture history. I was reading a couple of websites today, and they compared him to a couple, and I thought of a few others as well. Because of the unbelievable vitriol, venom, horror, and vindictiveness that he brings to this role, I saw him interviewed on, I think, I'm not kidding, James Rampton's fucking Inside the Actor's uh, uh, darkened pink area. And... (laughs) James Rampton goes uh, Ben Kingsley and then like what was the motivation? And Ben Kingsley whose brilliant posture is like he's done like Terrence Stamp yoga every day of his life right? Like Terrence Stamp and Ben Kingsley (laughs) right? Ben Kingsley goes my motivation for this movie was you will not leave my tribe So, when you see this picture and get ready to cue it up, uh, and I hope there's a free version somewhere. Is it on YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. All right, you can go to Netflix. Uh, uh, he said he. Ba- well, let me go through some of the bad guys that I think he's comparable to. And you can, you'll probably have a few of your own. Um, Lee Marvin as Liberty Valence, who's a, a dastardly villain in that movie. And you really can't ever have Bad Lee Marvin even the return of the Dirty Dozen has its (laughs) moments simply because Lee Marvin the first Dirty Dozen where he's pushing well you don't like to be pushed unbelievable (laughs) unbelievable The Dirty Dozen has the best line in movie history. He's having a drink with Ralph Meeker, who's given The Dirty Dozen a psychological profile. He's the army psychologist, and he's been brought in. And everyone in the gang is a psychopath, some of whom are super psychopaths, like John Cassavetes. Telly Savalas is his usual, uh, I kill women and eviscerate their bodies and then wear them around the house character that he did all through the 60s. Where Telly Savalas would go... And um, Charles Bronson's the Polish guy from the coal mine who accidentally killed someone because he punched them too hard. <laughs> I don't know why I'm in this prison All I did was punch a guy And uh John Cassavetes Overacting fantastically As the psychopath (laughs) Sure I'll be in your group It's really good Trini Lopez Yeah You fucking heard me Trini Lopez If I had a hammer I'd hammer in the morning He's the Mexican guy Uh Jim Brown The immortal running back uh, Plays the black guy uh, It's really Fucking good I know we're off the topic here But stay with me And So Ralph Meeker Who as you recall Played Mike Hammer In Kiss Me Deadly And is maybe one of the Greatest of all The fucking B grade pot boiling Fucking uh, Mickey Splane uh, He slaps everyone in the movie In one scene He goes in and tries to bribe the guy And the guy won't take money And he slaps him In the next scene He bribes the guy And the guy takes the money And he slaps him uh, <laughs> Jessie Deadly is awesome <laughs> Cloris Leachman is naked In the opening scene Yeah You fucking heard me I mean not It's the 50s So you know <laughs> Cloris Leachman And Cloris Leachman said it And it's true She goes Someone asked her about her career once And she went I was in uh, um, Last Picture Show Butch Cassidy And uh, um, Oh cock I'm forgetting the And uh, uh, Young Frankenstein And I said Yeah That is a fucking career She's in a lot of other things too But those three turns uh, Lee Marvin and Liberty Balance is uh, nasty as can be uh, Ralph Meeker says They're sitting down and there's a, body, a bottle Which I'm sure was a, an actual bottle Because Lee Marvin drank With something close to a fervency um, As a monk studies In his monastery For the, the imbuing of the holy light Coming streaming directly through uh, The voice of God into their soul Lee Marvin pursued alcohol uh, With a hang on With catastrophic good effects uh, to his acting. He was, uh, I believe, at Guadalcanal. And, uh, and, and was really a hard ass. And in any case, in the picture, there's a bottle of Johnny Walker Black. But they've Greeked it, right? Said that you're not supposed to know it's a bottle of Johnny Walker. Except that a bottle of Johnny Walker is the most identifiable bottle of whiskey in the world. And it has a black label. And they've turned it. So it doesn't. you don't see Johnny Walker on it. And they sit down and they start drinking it. And Lee Marvin goes, Well, think And Ralph Meeker goes... There's two religious weirdos And a malignant dwarf And I don't want to talk about the rest (laughs) A malignant dwarf That's good movie writing, ladies and gentlemen Uh, Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter My wife offered up, Jennifer That is one of the most terrifying fucking turns You'll ever fucking see A killer of women and children uh, And a part-time minister And that's the best part, isn't it? Let me tell you the story about old brother love and brother hate. (laughs) Stephen Boyd. This was on the website, and I thought it was a good call. Stephen Boyd is Masala and Ben Hur. No one ever thinks about it because Stephen Boyd is wooden. Like, this is Stephen Boyd's acting. But if you've ever seen William Wyler's Ben-Hur from 59 uh, He starts out as Ben-Hur's friend In the beginning And they go Oh up with Mars And down with Venus And they relive their childhood together And now Ben-Hur's a rich Jew And Masala's a fucking tribune Or whatever A Roman tribune And so like they can't be friends And then he ends up Fucking over Ben-Hur so hard And I thought about it The more When I read this today I thought He really is one of the great bad guys Because every scene he's in You hate him more And by the end of the movie When he dies And that's my favorite scene In Ben-Hur When Masala dies Do you remember Spoiler alert (laughs) Two hours and 45 minutes, Greg, and you told me that he fucking dies? Surely you've seen Ben-Hur Jesus Christ, I can't be responsible for your shitty cinematic viewing (laughs) Not everyone's seen every movie you saw, Greg Not everyone was alive when the silent version with Ramon Navarro came out either, Greg (laughs) (laughs) The thing about Francis X. Bushman was He was just such a gentle in any case, in William Wyler's version, at the end, uh, they had the chariot race, right, that goes forever and ever. Nine dolphins, right, around the uh, circus. Uh, except that I don't think they're in Rome. I think they're in Jerusalem or wherever the fuck it's set at that point. And there's been big bets made. The Arabs backing the Jew and the Romans are all being dicks. And the Arab brings in a big, uh, uh, Hugh Griffith playing the Arab, brings in a giant case full of money and coins and whatnot. And sticks his it and goes like that. And I remember when they signed the bet. It's a, it's a wax tablet and Masala as played by Stephen Boyd has his fucking Roman signet ring and goes <clears throat> like that <laughs> and he goes the better Roman's worth out of three Jews or whatever and ha 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 I was like wow they made this outside of Hollywood
1: <laughs>
0: so at the end they have a big chariot race and, and Masala gets fucking massively trampled by a team of horses for a real long time <laughs> Then they drag him in on a stretcher And in comes Judah And Carlton Huston, Probably his greatest moment in cinema Silhouetted against the doorway With his laurel wreath From winning the race And he leans up against the doorway All sexy And uh, Masala goes Judah And then it, Like that's fantastic
1: <laughs>
0: The race Judah It goes on Judah <laughs> And then the one bloody hand on his tunic so that when the hand comes away, the tunic's still bloody. Fuck yeah. Mind you, fast forward to that part. The Jesus part at the end of the movie is like, wow, there's not enough sandwiches in the world to fill the time here. Gene Tierney in Lever to Heaven. Uh, Yeah, where she kills a small boy with a paddle in the middle of a lake and she's Jean... Yeah, someone went, what? Yeah, it's in Technicolor. Jean Turney from Laura, right? With the teeth. Hot. Um, A movie from about 10, 15 years ago and I don't know why I thought of this but I loved her in it. Uh, A really, really kind of turgid uh, sort of pot-boiling melodrama called Hush... And Jessica Lange Plays the evil mother-in-law To Gwyneth Paltrow And tries to kill her Through the whole movie So for that reason alone This movie is in your fucking queue So let it be written So let it be done Um, Ben Kingsley Is uh, equal to all of these baddies I mean um, right now you're thinking of a thousand other baddies That I forgot but we don't have forever um, and how did he come up with the character of Don Logan and what the fuck was going on he played Gandhi uh, he plays the, the most beautiful character in the world in Schindler's List right he specialized in victims like in the movie uh, Pascali's Island or the, uh, the brilliant um, uh, Harold Pinter picture of Betrayal where he's the betrayed husband and Jeremy Irons is the cad right? well I should have blackened you on your white wedding dress <laughs> you knock me out Ben Kingsley never raises his voice in those movies he's a genius and then in this movie he's the shoutiest scream. oh uh, uh, um, sh- uh, Night of uh, Santa Fog that, where he plays the, the Persian who's uh, losing everything and is the most dignified his breakdown is excruciating this movie is his fucking wide boy movie and he really lets it fucking loose and you're like well so how were you able to play the baddest of all bad bad guys my maternal grandmother she was an extremely violent and unpleasant woman. <laughs> no, Bickies in tea then. Come on, after school I'll make you a nice cup of tea. She was extremely violent and unpleasant woman. She was racist, fascist, and anti-Semitic. When I play great heroic Jews and great heroic dark people, I'm sticking two fingers up at her. This is fuck you in England. This is fuck you here. This is fuck you in England too. So they'll often go like this. When I played Don Logan, I was channeling her. When you watch this movie tonight, spare a thought for Ben Kingsley's grandmother. (laughs) And also understand that his real name's Krishna. And then when he first auditioned for a play, they went, All right, next time, Christina. (laughs) And he got up and... "Mm -hmm." Then afterward, he said his dad said, "Uh, We need to change your name to something more English. Uh, This picture is made By a a director Named Jonathan Glazer And he's just done A picture called Under the Skin That uh, only Hadrian Here at the uh, um, Cinefamily Has seen recently Because he was at The Toronto Film Festival And actually saw Scarlett Johansson In her gown uh, On the red carpet Hayden When he told the story Before the show Started tonight Omitted what he was wearing (laughs) I'm going to say Something kicky By Prinze Schuller With just some darling Prada slingbacks. You know, gator, croc, maybe mock croc. <laughs> Kitten heels. Because he keeps it real. What is he, a Wasowski brother?
1: <laughs> uh,
0: Jonathan Glazer has made three pictures, maybe? Four? Three? Three. three. Birth, uh, Under the Skin, which we'll all see soon. And uh, this picture, Sexy Beast. He also made a, a short as a, a student. This is an interview with him from The Guardian from 2000 by Leslie Felperin. Uh, You made TV trailers, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's what he did. A lot of TV trailers and music. um, I was offered a job cutting film trailers. It involved sitting in a dark basement around a monitor, and people would give you really shocking pieces of work. Then you'd write a voiceover and cut it down and try to make a two-minute trailer out of it. This is the part I like in the the quote. I'd just been pounding the streets after I left poly. (laughs) Polytechnic. He's studying a bit of cutting In film <laughs> D- Blah 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 And then let's see What was it like He made a first picture um, It was called Mad A short I saw it the other day It's pretty dreadful I love when directors say that right? After they've made Sexy Beast um, It was an odd little thing About dementia or something <laughs> You don't remember <laughs> Not to cheer Well dementia Obviously The subject lends itself To forgetting I fucking angry at you oh I'll never let let it go or as we say in England leave it (laughs) what was your first commercial assignment then and only an English person would say what was your first commercial assignment then we would say then what was your first commercial assignment but they go what was your first commercial assignment then I met a producer who asked me to do a corporate video for a caravan park in Northampton. That's a trailer park. This businessman was selling trip caravans to OAPs, basically persuading them to use their nest egg and come and live in the community. He wanted me to make it look like Barbados. <laughs> it looked like a muddy field. So that was my first experience of manipulation. But the first actual advert I got, see? was for Kodak, which I sort of felt was a good thing to do. What about Terms of Story? Uh, D, 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 D. This one you're not going to believe. These two writers wrote this picture, uh, Louis Mellis and David Sinto. I think they were right in a way which intoxicated me. In terms of my budget, my first features, two and a half Guinness ads. The first one, the surfer, this was his first uh, uh, commercial he made, was a million pounds. They gave him a million pounds to make a Guinness ad, which is obscene, he said. The cinema version was 100 seconds long. And you have to know that The Guardian is a lefty paper. So the next question isn't a question by Leslie. It's a statement. 10,000 per second? (laughs) Answer. Something like that. Can you explain how you came to do Sexy Beast? The film was very simply about a man, da-da-da. For me, it was an important step. Lewis and David, blah-blah-blah. The writers found me. They were making a, mix- a movie called Gangster Number 1, but they didn't get that movie together then. And this is the part I thought was interesting. I found a very different ballgame. The film was a duel between Ray Winston and Ben Kingsley characters. Uh, They needed to understand the rhythms for me to have anything to shoot If they started improvising within a scene and went away from the script, the scene would somehow fall to bits The brutality, the tension, everything came from the words And I was really just trying to construct an atmosphere around that One line of dialogue and eight close-ups, it was that sort of discipline for me I didn't want the camera to be anything other than architectural I know, right? Uh, Did you have a long rehearsal period? And this is the part I like I had nothing Unfortunately Ben Kingsley came two weeks late Off a film he was shooting in LA I got out of the car the first day of my film And they said Ben's not here We're not going to shoot what you thought you were going to shoot So everything was rescheduled It was very difficult The actors hadn't even met one another In a sense it worked Because Ben Kingsley comes into the film like an alien Like a kind of pollutant Thankfully though They had learned their lines Ray Winstone Who plays Gal And by the way just to sort that out Uh, Gal is Gary And they call him Gal Through the whole movie It's pronounced a bunch of Different cockney ways But the name they're calling him Is Gal It sounds like Gel About half the time And sometimes Gel And Jim Chanel And every other fucking thing (laughs) His best friend is H uh, Who was an actor Named uh, um, uh, Kevin Kendall And Kevin Kendall Passed before the movie Was released It's his last picture His name's H A-I-T-C-H H H. Uh, They offered Ray Winston Gal uh, uh, They offered him The character of Don And he chose Gal And they also considered Anthony Hopkins for Don And uh, what a different movie It would have been Um, The first scene Ben Kingsley shot Was the airport interrogation Uh, Let's see, this is the part I liked Ben Kingsley described playing Don As venting all the anger and tension He had in him And then he'd be meek as a baby The rest of the day But uh, apparently The entire cast was mortified To be with him on the set Because they were scared To fucking death Of everything he was doing (laughs) Uh, This one is a cracker. Very briefly, we'll be at the CineFamily tonight, uh, Bar Lubitsch uh, tomorrow night, or Wednesday night, in case you're not doing anything and you're here in L.A. Uh, It's free. Uh, The 6th of October at the Comedy Bar in Toronto, the 8th of October at the Underground in Toronto, which is a dope club in Toronto, so please fly up for that. Uh, The 16th, we'll be back at the Lubitsch in October. uh, uh, The 14th of November, we'll be in Calgary at the Laugh Stop Uh, On the 30th of November We'll be at the Bell House In Brooklyn I'm on the road With the Hoosland Guards All over Canada Victoria, Kelowna Lethbridge Medicine Hat Edmonton Calgary Kingston uh, Hamilton Where I'm spending my birthday Yeah you gotta be Fucking kidding me too London (laughs) Viagra Uh, and two places I can't pronounce Anna Cordes if you want to write us on the show it's fanmail greg at gmail.com if you want to ask a question smartest at a special I have a chill video coming out uh, that I made of stand up over at Musso and Frank's which is the most cinematic of all restaurants in Los Angeles because Charlie Chaplin used to eat there with Douglas Fairbanks they'd race each other down Hollywood Boulevard and the winner had to pay for lunch and evidently when Chaplin won and he got there first on horseback down Hollywood Boulevard he would order kidneys which proves he has the best sense of humor Of any director of all time Anyone who wants kidneys At the end of a long horseback ride Gets my vote for someone With a sense of fucking humor Because kidneys are not funny At the best of fucking times I don't care how James joyce In your life is The faint scent of urine Is not something I want Crossing my palate at lunchtime Bukowski drank there And the bartender said to him You always have money And you always have women around you What do you do? And Bukowski said What do you think I do? In that? And the bartender went Pimp? <laughs> Faulkner, when he was writing The Big Sleep and uh, all of his pictures that he worked on, uh, the Hemingway pictures and whatnot, uh, drank there each night and used to make juleps in the back room. If you go to Moose's, which is right here in Los Angeles. And uh, Raymond Chandler, who wrote the novel of The Big Sleep, wrote it in a booth at uh, um & Frank's. Robert Mitchum, uh, was working with Jim Thompson and made that remake of uh, 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 is it The Big Sleep? The one they made in England? It's not very good but he plays, the gener- he plays General Sternway or whatever in that. Uh, Jim Thompson who wrote the screenplays to, as well as writing uh, millions of great pulp novels like Population 1280 and uh, The Killer Inside Me. He also wrote the screenplay to Paths of Glory by uh, Stanley Kubrick the brilliant Kirk Douglas anti-war movie which I think is showing on TCM this month and he also wrote um, Cock Help Me the Killing which is one of the great terse caper films The Killing we should fucking show The Killing yeah. I bet that's 90 minutes long The Killing is really groovy Sterling Hayden and Vince Edwards and his girlfriend says where were you last night and he goes "Uh." Oh. she goes what were you doing and Vince Edwards goes nothing <laughs> and Elisha Cook juniors in that one and the wife goes you, if you were a real man you'd bring some money oh honey don't talk that way That's a great caper film. But speaking of great caper films, cue it up right now because we're going to let her rip and we'll come back and talk after the 2000 British Gangster Classic with Vin Kingsley and Ray Winstone, Sexy Beast. Is it hot now? Sexy Beast, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. What a tidy little thriller, right? Um, Am I wrong? Or at the end of it, with Dawn and with uh, Ray Winstone and everything, it's a love story, right? (laughs) Like, how beautiful are Jackie and Dee Dee in the movie? Like, as women and as women characters. And that Dee Dee is the one who strikes the fell blow. That makes the entire thing possible He uh, Gal is being so Accommodating Vacillating Whatever you want to call it And Don is so intimidating That he can't make a move Until the Spanish boy Who reminds me a lot of the deaf kid In um, Out of the Past With Robert Mitchum um, uh, Makes the move with the gun And then as, remember Don goes all I'll have that And takes the gun And then Didi fucking shows up With the rifle And uh when he says, I love her with all my heart, that's, the I think, the, the apogee of this movie. And the perigee of the movie is when, at the end, when Teddy lets him go, and you think he's going to kill him how many times? Uh, first of all, when they have uh, the, the first meeting when they're in the restaurant, the second meeting at breakfast at the Grosvenor, when Teddy goes... <laughs> and then... At the restaurant at the end Then in the car In the Porsche on the way And then back at James Fox's house And then when he drops him And Ray Winston Takes the earrings out One more time In the last shot You see with her As the earrings on I really feel like The secret movie uh, The secret part of this picture Is that It's a love story Between Gal and Diddy And that Don can't fuck with that uh, At the end of the day Yes he has to be wasted Like a gangster But there's only two murders In this gangster movie And you see them both Um, and like that Uh, so I think it's a really sentimental movie in a lot of ways and even though Ben Kingsley who lost the Oscar to Tom Wilkinson in the movie Iris that year he did not get best supporting actor right he won for Gandhi in 82 Uh, but he he was nominated for best supporting actor Tom Wilkinson and Iris which was a very popular movie that year and of course now you're like Iris which fucking movie was Iris um Ben Kingsley didn't win it. In the end, I think Ray Winstone, uh, because Act Three is all Ray Winstone, right? And Ian McShane, who is. Uh, Ian McShane does something that Clive Owen does in every movie, which is don't close your eyes ever during a scene. No blinking, no winking, no nothing. Ian McShane does scenes like this. And then the horrible, horrible. Did anyone catch that he let James Fox Have violent intercourse with him At that orgy (laughs) In order that he might enter the vault And so therefore James Fox Were you Chekhov or Aristotle And a screenwriter James Fox must die For what he uh, did to uh, uh, um, uh, To Ian McShane right? Uh, who, Who they call Mr. Black Magic And when you first see him they go Mr. Black Magic and he's combing his hair back Right Uh, Let's take a couple questions and then we'll fuck off I just really think this picture's got A million twists and turns One and two um, Mr. Glazier, For all of his commercial and video uh, directing It serves this movie Rather than like um, A lot of gimmicky bullshit When they do all the whip rounds And there's a thousand shots in a scene And when they do all the uh, way extreme close ups of You see nothing but H's fucking crow's feet In one scene for like five minutes and shit It's the most fetishistic middle-aged man movie in the history of fucking gangster movies. No one's attractive, no one's young, and it's fantastic, except for Jackie and Dee Dee, who are absolutely gorgeous through the whole thing. Uh, um, I I really feel like uh, his pacing and uh, all all the quick cuts and editing really serve um, this picture and keep the tension fucking going. And he has the good sense in the scenes early in Act Two. With, when dawn finally arrives with, um, uh, The scenes with Ray Winstone and Ben Kingsley Are excruciating uh, And that's what makes this movie Power through the third act Which I've heard people complain about But I like the third act Even though it's supposed to be The most heavily secured bank in Europe But all they have to do is plow through The fucking bathhouse wall And somehow it fills with water And there's no cameras And no fucking motion sensor Never mind that Let's now talk about logic It's a movie and shit Robbo's got a microphone A couple questions And then we'll piss off Into the night Anyone? Anyone? Anybody? If not Or questions, comments uh, uh, here we go. Please uh, Let's talk about the villain thing For one thing I, I hope I opened a can of worms With that Because there's loads Of great villains And if you notice He uses the cockney In the beginning He goes I'm starving I'm Lee Marvin <laughs> Lee Marvin means I'm hungry Go on Hi, Hi Greg Hi Hi it's Lewis Hi
2: Lewis Uh, That lesson about uh, no blinking comes from Michael Caine. Mm. uh, In a number of interviews where he's been... And in uh, classes where he's taught. And people ask him, what's the secret? He says one of the secrets is no blinking.
0: Choose an eye as well, right? When you're doing a a scene with an actor, you pick their eye. And Michael Caine goes, like, pick the left eye. And look in that eye. And then keep it open. The whole fucking time. Clive Owen has openly said he... You know strives to never blink in a scene And if you watch Croupier Or any great Clive Owen performance He fucking He never ever ever blinks it, it, it's, it's amazing the power of that The scene when uh, he, he shoots James Fox in the head Ray Winstone doesn't blink And he doesn't blink And they just look at each other forever And he doesn't even hand him the drink But you know that he hands Ray Winstone the drink right? So that Ray Winstone's prints are on that whiskey glass so that he has the final thing against him and shit like that. No, Michael Caine knows everything about acting. Everything ever. Um, and Mona Lisa, as I brought up earlier with Bob Hoskins, is I think his big comeback movie after, you know, Jaws 4 and a lot of crappy shit when Michael Caine finally uh, righted himself. Uh, and as I say, if you want gangster, get Carter, because there's no blinking in that fucking movie. It's pale blue eyes and hideousness. <laughs> One more, two more? Here's someone,
2: there's someone Hey Greg, Um, I'm wondering if you're maybe familiar with the TV show Deadwood Which Ian McShane has a (laughs) uh, a colorful selection of vocabulary Much like Don Logan
0: Well, Deadwood is Shakespeare in the Old West, right? And uh, David Milch uh, claims that they said cocksucker As much as they actually said it in the show Deadwood Because uh, Ian McShane's character, Alice Warrington Says cocksucker more than I think any human ever has uh, In any show I always felt, and maybe I'm wrong And you can hit me to this um, that Ian McShane's character, Satan, in that show, that he's an overriding, overarching, maybe I'm reading too much into the subtext of it, but like, he's pure evil. And yet he dispatches people with mercy sometimes, and other times with venom. Uh, and he runs the town kind of in a way, and then when it gets away from him in the third season and whatnot. Uh,
2: do you think he is? Yeah you could say that I would probably say that You know Once Hearst shows up In season 3 Then he's the devil And then they kind of clash Right And then what's his
0: name Dan has to fight uh, And then
2: Dan Dan fights the captain Right Fights the captain And
0: there's that weird animal fight And all that The first couple seasons Though I think Swearegen's really a Well I don't want to talk To these cocksuckers But you got to Because Ian McShane Really lays down The fucking law
2: I think somebody counted And like the whole series Has 3,000 uses Of the word fuck
0: Oh yeah And Milch will claim That people spoke that way But they did You know It's just that In the 19th century The idea of putting Profanity in print Is absolutely You know Heinous No way are you Putting profanity in print In that century So that's why There's no You know Mark Twain doesn't go Well this big Cocksucker came down The Mississippi and shit You know I mean There's a reason Uh, But uh, uh, almost A lot of the things In Deadwood are true uh, Moved around dramatically For effect and whatnot. Um uh, uh, you know But I think Ian McShane's character in Deadwood Is one of the great TV characters Of the last 10 or 15 years There's no question of that He's, yeah. he's arch, he's overriding He dominates the fucking show uh, Tim Oliphant is a nice actor And I'm sure he's lovely to his mother uh, But Tim Oliphant does this for three seasons <laughs> Like James Finlayson In all the Laurel and Hardy movies And Ian McShane doesn't have to Ian McShane just fucking walks into scenes. Hello, Sheriff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think he's like Hammurabi. When he acts, it's chiseled in marble. The last scene in the car. The last scene in the car. When they're in the Porsche. If I gave a solitary fuck, get out of the fucking car. And that means you're exonerated. I am Richelieu, and you, son, may leave now. I'm not going to kill you. And you waited 85 minutes at that point for him to not kill fucking... And I, I, was I right? How many times is he called Gal? Yeah. Like, the, his name's Gary. <laughs> he actually has a name in the movie, but it's they call him Gal the whole time. And sometimes it's Gal, and you never know what the fuck.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, hi, my name's Sam from Hello, Hollywood. Sam. Uh, I was... This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. It was really? really? It was amazing. It was. Really good, great. isn't it? And yeah. Thank you for doing this. I, like a lot of, I've seen a lot of movies the first time because of you, actually. So thank you very much. I just want to say. Thank
0: you. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Uh, I do this for fun, and because I love the pictures. Uh, and I only want to show you guys pictures that are awesome. I really never want to show a picture that's five hours long and boring, and you have to go like, "Fuck, what did that mean?". I always want to show you pictures that are like cinema, you know. And I, I really feel like cinema has characters and dialogue and excellent shots and then some bitching fucking love at the end. Like Dog Day. We, we showed Dog Day. And Dog Day's a love story, too. And that's a horrible, you know, cliche thing to say, but what can I... All right, go on, please.
2: Uh, and actually, the, the thing that really struck me about this movie, uh, more so than a lot of other movies I've seen, is the way it's lit. It's so... Yeah. Like, when he starts out it's so bright and everything's great and then dawn shows like all the light just starts like, slowly getting darker yeah. and darker and then like the final scene in the car with the one light just passing over him right before you think Yeah,
0: And then it. he stands in the bus stop with the light behind him Yeah, and he's happy even though it's the most desolate scene in the world, right?
2: Yeah. I, was, I, mean, I just was really blown away by that. So
0: No, I, the lighting changes constantly in it and it's V London, right? I mean, like, you know, we're at the Grosvenor house and when he pulls up in that black cab in the rain and shit, like... You know, that's screenwriting, baby. That's screenwriting. Let me point out what this movie doesn't have. CGI, a comic book story, or young people. (laughs) It's about love, death, redemption, fear, terror, horror, uh, crime, and morality. It's about all of those things. And yet it doesn't As pacey as it is And it is pacey The third act slows to an almost grinding Fucking hideous halt And uh, there's also overt homosexuality There's also an orgy And the scene when Mike Describes the orgy to Ben Kingsley And goes Fucking what does he say Bums everywhere (laughs) And then are you having a good time Teddy And Teddy's laying on the couch smoking And he goes it's all right." like, these gangsters' capacity to have no fun is unbounded. <laughs> and how hard are the girls, right? The girls are as hard as the guys. They're gangster girls. Dee, Dee we know, is a porn star. Jackie, we know, slept with Don because she fucking had to at one point and whatnot. And how gorgeous is Jackie? Like, it's really, yeah. How gorgeous is she? It's, I, I adore that part of Jonathan Glazer that he was able to 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 fetishize all of them. Ray Winstone's fat and he's beautiful. You know what I mean? Because he keeps saying over and over how about the scene in the the Chinese restaurant where everybody "Ah, with the cigarettes and then he goes to the payphone and goes just say my name. That, as Steely Dan said is the essence of true romance right? That's fucking romance man. Um, I love movies where people love their wife and I love uh, that in a gangster motif that's this hard-assed and uh, Ben Kingsley enforces the hard-assness of it and then Ian McShane uh, puts an indelible fucking seal on the hard-assness of this uh, that, that really in the end you're happy. It's not a sad movie at the end and when the cast gets kicked open by the Uh, the Spanish devil with the floppy ears and Don's fucking smoking because the scene at the airport is the first movie Ben Kingsley shot the scene on the plane he showed up because he was late coming and the first scene he shot was the scene on the plane and then the scene, he touched my front bottom what you can imagine (laughs) and I love that he said it's not improvised line for fucking line uh, how about the scenes with him and Ray Winstone? No, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes No, 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 no Fucking, oh my god There's really no other movie where the The repetition of the, the dialogue Is integral to uh, what's going on in the picture And thrusts the movie forward uh, In that Aristotelian way One more and then we're, for sure we'll fuck off Okay, hi
2: Hi, I really, really, really love this movie I think I am Maybe next to you, it's biggest fan. Thank you. And Glazer, I don't know. I don't understand him. I'm so excited that he has a new movie. I don't even know what to expect. And I love that this movie is so, has so much style. It has so much character. And you think, oh, that's his style. That's okay. So yes. what's next? Birth is so different. And it has so much style of its own in such a different way. I don't know what to expect next with his new movie, but I'm I'm so excited. And I agree with you about the older people, like quote-unquote older people in the movie, but they are gorgeous. The close-ups of the women on their eyes and their jewelry. Their and, feet. And their teeth are beautiful. Their teeth. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and the music, the way he uses music, the way he uses Lujon in the beginning, when it's like just this fantasy of this is their life, and they just love each other, and it's so effective. It's so... You think these people, the actors, know each other like they hung around and rehearsed for months before this because they have And they did.
0: They had no fucking time. Yeah. Isn't that why? I didn't
2: know that. It's magic. I didn't know that. that it's cinema. I'm, I'm so glad to hear all the inside dope that you're telling us to Isn't make.
0: it magic? The first scene when Diddy gets out the car and she's got the shopping and shoes. he's been laying there and he's got his the ice on his yeah. you know, package and and they show her shoes yeah. and they're those slutty gangster yeah. shoes. Yeah. with yeah. the the She's wearing mules. But...
2: Awesome pedicure Beautiful feet Her heels Beautiful are feet. like Soft as a baby's bum
0: Absolutely <laughs> I agree with you I, I, I adore him for that uh, For the stylistic part That's the part that reminds me Of all my favorite uh, Gangster directors Like Melville And Howard Hawks And you know uh, The women are tough The women are cool The women are equal to the men And that's what's important uh, it, It's as important As anything else in the movie even though Ben Kingsley comes in and just literally swings a giant dick and pees on the floor like a dog to mark his territory. The scene where he goes in and kicks fucking Gel in the bed and she goes, get out. Yeah. Gel always takes it. Every time he gets his ass kicked, he takes it. Right? And she never takes it. She fucking always rises up. And I think that's just like really subtle in the script because when you watch it the first time, and this is my I haven't seen it in ages, third or fourth time yeah, they're all soft and beautiful I, 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 The thing I like about the old pictures The black and white pictures Like I was watching um, uh, High Sierra the other day With uh, um, Humphrey Bogart and Ida um, uh, Lupino Is no one's ever young, you know No one's 20 And I have nothing against young people And I love movies with young people in them But I really love movies with middle uh, Maybe it's because I'm middle-aged but, uh, Meaning I'm going to live to be 106 yeah. <laughs> Sway with me play with me uh, Is that I, I, the, um, What I find missing from um, Most Hollywood pictures uh, Of the modern era is Any acknowledgement that um, uh, Maturity Is an important thing in life uh, That we all be, could be grown ups What do you
1: Gravitas.
0: Gravitas Fucking A Gravitas Gravitas, Gravitas. No one has gravitas at 20 We're flighty at 20 That's why the young boy's in the movie He's emotional He gets the gun taken away from him The woman who's over 45 Who's being a porn star And being around the fucking world And had every manner of degradation dealt out to her by gangsters Is more than willing to fucking pull the trigger While her husband's laying on the fucking ground And he I really do Yeah I just uh, I feel strongly about that And I, I love all pictures like that And uh I, I find even in the modern era When they make a picture like that Which they do occasionally um, Jackie Brown is a movie that comes to mind Where everybody's over 50 And states how old they are <laughs> And you, as, even as a young person watching it You're like, I'm not bored by this I'm intrigued by this This is what adulthood is cinematically um, The idea that only young people Want to watch young people I think is a fallacy Perpetrated by show business so that they can be fascistic and keep older women out of the movies. Amen. There, I fucking said it. I was watching the Thomas Crown Affair the other night with fucking uh, Steve McQueen and... uh, On TCM. On TCM. Fucking A. And Faye Dunaway walks in in the biggest hat in the history of mankind. And one of the cops says, you won't like her. And she walks into the scene and ignores the fucking cop. And it is fucking Gene. Yes! Yeah, give me giant hats and miniskirts And I'm all over the fucking movie There, I've revealed my taste Not that I'm not saying The Last Airbender wasn't a great movie We all know That in the end of the day What hooks us in a picture Is a character And then plot driven by the character visuals are amazing visuals are outstanding, visuals are everything cinema is about, but without something to hook it on emotionally, at one point when he was on the phone with her in the Chinese restaurant I was like crying and shit, because it's really a connection and uh, uh, not that many gangster pictures, well, the best gangster pictures, uh, I think, have it Um, I mean Le Samurai, which I showed a couple months ago is that stylish but perhaps not as quite as deep in some ways as sexy beast he he loves his girlfriend but not really that's not what's important what's important is his hat and his cigarettes um is that pro- I should have ended earlier when we got that big laugh that would have been a good time Dan. anybody else cause we can end we the- gotta we gotta fuck off okay thank you Robbo um Thank you very much for coming out tonight. I'm hoping... This has been the Greg Pooce Thumb Club. This has been Sexy Bees. Thank you very much. We'll be back in October with a horror movie. Hopefully, Mario Bava's Black Sunday starring Barbara Steele. My name's Greg Poops. I love you. Good night. I like
1: do it